Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just Around the Corner. I'm Dan. I'm with Dave here on 4680Q, downtown Niagara Falls. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at Lupo's Little Italy here in Niagara Falls, located on Morrison Street in the Canadian Tire Plaza. Look for the uh, food truck, the big black truck with the Italian colors all over it, Lupo's Little Italy, designed by Danima Creative Group. I want to thank John Franco for sponsoring us for the entire month of June. He also did the last month in May. He's a great guy and uh, appreciate your support. So go down and support him. Some of the best sandwiches. That's how you say it in Italian, sandwich. Some of the best sandwiches in town. So check him out, Lupo's Little Italy, Morrison Street, Niagara Falls. I've been stoked ever since our guests agreed to be on this podcast today we're uh, going to have some gold tequila shooting summer fun to quote uh, his new song with the legendary john cafferty on the show for episode 16 we've been here for 16 shows already holy cow i remember when it all began uh john's got a new song out called day in the sun it's fantastic i play it constantly in a new album in the fall we'll be talking about that and his two Time's headlining light of day here uh, in Niagara Falls, Toronto, and Kingston, uh, and a few other things. In just a few moments, we'll have him on the show. Now, next week, we've got our friend, Buffalo native, the great Willie Now. Willie Now's been a huge part of light of day, both here in Niagara and Canada, I should say, and uh, down in Asbury Park, as well as over in Europe. So Willie will be on the show. It's going to be a special day on a Wednesday because Willie's just getting in. He's, uh, he's on tour right now, so he'll be just getting in on a Tuesday. So ask me if I could bump that one to next Wednesday instead of Tuesday. So anything for Willie. So check that out. Next Wednesday at 4 o'clock. And the following week, on June 27th, we have a guy who has supported Light of Day since he was three. And he played his first Light of Day show at Light of Day, Day, uh, Light of Day 10 when we had Steve Earle headlining the four shows. He, Evan, opened up the show at... Uh, Scotiabank Center here in Niagara Falls. It'll be his 19th birthday. He's got a new album coming out. We got a ton to talk about. Mr. Evan Rotella, my son, and one of my favorite new singer-songwriters will be on the show. So that's what's coming up here just around the corner. Like I said, we got John Cafferty today, and I want to tell you a quick story. I got a few stories to tell, uh, and John's got a whole pile of them. And every time we we chat, we, uh, we tend to... Uh, uh, we, we can go on a little bit. So this is going to be a fun, fun interview. I can't wait to talk to John. But back in high school, I had this deal. We've talked about it before on the show. I had a DJ service called Backstreet Productions. And back in 83, 84, there were a bunch of hot bands. Uh, you had Prince with all of his hits, Madonna, Springsteen, Mellencamp, and some guy from Rhode Island named John Cafferty, who I just became a huge fan. From Once I heard... Once I heard uh, the soundtrack Daddy and the Cruisers, I was hooked. But then, then he then he came out with Tough All Over and, and Roadhouse, and I was just a, I just became a huge huge fan. So back then, I played a lot of John Cafferty. Now I remember telling John over a couple of drinks at Yanksville, Niagara, that I uh, I actually played more John Cafferty than I did Bruce Springsteen at our dance. He didn't believe me, so I brought in an old set list, and there it was. I circled him, and it was more John Cafferty played than there was Mr. Springsteen back then. Um, <laughs> and he actually cited for me. I've got it at home in my in my music room. And we used to start our rock and roll sets with this next song. And it, I'll tell you, it just used to get the crowd pump and I can still picture it we put on the smoke machine and we put on the strobe lights and we'd kick into this song and before you knew it 
the dance floor was packed. Uh, you may know it from Eddie and the Cruisers, the soundtrack. Uh, it was a number one song in the album rock track chart back in 84 and number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. Before we bring them on, here's John Cavern and the Beaver Brown Band from Eddie and the Cruisers with On the Dark Side. didn't get your feet tapping nothing well that was john caffey and the beaver brown band with the dark side on the dark side i should say from the eddie and the cruisers soundtrack you're listening to just around the corner on 4680q.com i'm dan i'm a dave and today we've got a very special guest it's not often you get to interview one of your musical heroes i actually got to meet him have drinks with him we had dinner together so when i look back i try to pinch myself sometimes and i think wow I got to hang out with the great John Cavity. John, you on the line? Hey, brother, how you doing? There he is. Ah, I miss that. <laughs> I miss that 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 voice, that accent. I know. Yeah. I know you don't oh, think you man. have an accent, but we, you know, obviously us Canadians think you do. But how you been, John? I'm doing great. It's funny playing on the dark side and talking talking about uh, how it gets your toes tapping. You know, back in the days when we were playing the bars, you know, exclusively. You know, we used to have to have what they call the $5 dance songs in our back pocket. $5 <laughs> dance song is is like when, you know, because you couldn't work back in the day. In right. Eastern Rhode Island, you couldn't work unless you could make the girls dance. You had to make the girls want to dance, and then the guys would come to the club. So right, they the spend the money. So, yeah, so, you know, when nobody was dancing, you had, you had to pull out a song that was like throwing a $5 bill in the middle of the dance floor, <laughs> and everybody would jump out of their seats to come and come and get it. So, well, can I so tell when you? We wrote that, when we wrote Dark Side, that's what we were looking for, a $5 dance song. Well, it was, because that, I, I'm not lying, we used to start a rock and roll set with that, and we'd get the smoke machine going and the strobes, and, you know, you'd start out with the piano. You said, no, I can picture this day. You start, you know, piano would start, and then 
boom, it kicks in, the lights went on, and that thing got the party going. And so that was my that was one of my five dollar. Uh, uh, there you go, the smoke machine and the and the strobe lights, huh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got a whole nineteen seventies rock opera in three minutes. We did, we did a we 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 had a whole lighting <laughs> system and stuff. So so how's the family doing? How's Terry Lee and the and the kids? And Terry Lee is still as beautiful and talented and wonderful as ever. Yes. I am a lucky guy. I don't I don't, I don't know, David. I don't know how we trick these girls. You know, you and I did pretty, pretty <laughs> We did pretty good, hey. For a couple of mugs like us, we did all right. Man. Well, you told me a long time ago we married above our pay grade. I think you're right. Oh, man. What was that? And then some. <laughs> no kidding. And how about yeah. the kids? Yeah. Shane Boys and Jackson. Doing great. You know, Shane's out in Hollywood uh, exploring his creative uh, What's he doing? abilities. You know, he's been working in the corporate world for a few years. And, uh, you know, he, you know, when the pandemic ended, he moved out to Hollywood. And, uh, really? Writing some comedy. And, Come yeah, on. I mean, he's got a, like a master's degree in business. And yeah, I saw that. Psychology. And, uh, but he's interested in comedy. So he's out there doing that. How cool. And, uh. Well, I, I have a cousin out there who's uh, the head writer of Family Guy. So really, you know, so yeah, oh. Danny Smith, and so he, he uh, you know, he sees that you know, if, if you're interested in uh, you know doing comedy, it's a job like any other. You got to work really hard at it yeah. if you want to be good at it, and uh, you can be successful at it. It's a different way to go, but um, good for him. Uh, yeah. And Lil Jackson, he's like your your Evan, you know. He's uh, he's got that music bug, and he's uh, he's writing some really great songs, and uh, he's getting ready to make his move as well. But he wants to stockpile a bunch of songs before he does. Well, maybe we'll get so, him to light a day one day soon. You never know. You never know. He's pretty good. He's better than his old man. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know? well, that's a uh, that's a. Tough measuring stick there to uh, to hit that. Well, I'll tell you, we just came back from Jersey. We, we, yeah, you we were at the pony. the pony the other night. Yep, and the night before we were out at uh, we were out on Summers Point Beach, which is where um, for all you uh, music uh, New Jersey music fans, that that's where they shot, shot Eddie and the Cruisers. Ah. There's a club called Tony Marts. Okay, and uh, they shot the the film Eddie and the Cruisers in that club. And the guy, uh, the guy who ran the show that we did on on the beach the other night, it's uh, it's Common Marotta, and his dad was Tony Mart and owned the club. Oh wow! Common was a bartender. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So talk about full full circle. You I, know, I caught a few videos of the pony. It looked like a great time. Oh man, it was it was. Uh, you know, I, I, I. Well, you've been in that one. Oh, many times. Yeah. You know, like. Uh, you know the 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 uh, you know when you see a YouTube video of it, video of it. I mean, you're only seeing like a very very small segment of what's actually going on in the room. That's right. And I mean, that room was just like alive, electric. You know. Well, I, it, I, it was pretty good. It's it's. Yeah, uh, it I always good, man. I always joke around. Going to the Stone Pony is like you know being a Catholic and going to the Vatican. If you're a Springsteen fan, <laughs> you know it, it's. <laughs> my my dad I used to you know tell me I was being sacrilegious, but it's 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 actually you know that's true for us Springsteen fans. And so, 
Evan has been lucky enough to play the pony a few times now uh, right. at, light, at light of day. And I'll tell you, you know, after seeing all these iconic people, including yourself up on there, and then you see your kid there one day. And I'll tell you, John, this is just a nice connection. He, The first time he played the main show on the Friday night and he got to play a few songs, guess what he opened with? Can't guess. New York, New York City song by John Cafferty. And really? everybody's wow. head everybody's head turned. He was like, I dad, I gotta sing it. It's about the border. I said, Yep, play it. And then he does then he Boy, did a couple of originals, but he started with you, John. That's an old one, man. I, I wrote that song wrote that song back in the seventies and, and I remember Bruce called me up one night and, and, and said, You know, because I'm listening to a tape of, of that uh, New York City. He goes, that, he goes, that's exactly what it was like, you know, for me and my friends down here. I know that's what it was like for you and your buddies up there in Rhode Island. Really? You know, that's what it felt like. You know, he said you did a great job of just capturing, yeah, you know, you know the, the 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 life of a musician playing in the bars and, and sort of like, you know, wondering, hoping, dreaming that maybe, you know, if you had what it took. To uh, you know, take that next step, you know, and uh, you know, so he was, uh, <laughs> and that was a very, very long time ago. And then the next time he talked to me about it was uh, when he was doing Broadway. He said, uh, "Oh yeah, hey, yes, you know, I'm, I'm, that New York City song, I'm doing it." <laughs> doing it. <laughs> Walking down Broadway with a guitar in my hand. That's right. Like you know, it's got that perfect visual. You could just picture a kid walking down, walking down the street uh, in New York City with the with a suitcase and uh, yeah. his guitar so strapped he, to his back. He, yeah. So when he gives you a thumbs up, you know, you know, it's a good one. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty. Now we're gonna. I want to talk a little bit about him later, but the f- first thing I wanted to talk to you about was now it's been. If I got this right. Last year was 40 years for Eddie and the Cruisers and 50 years for the Beaver Brown, Beaver Brown Band, right? Well, you know what? I had to consult. Uh, I, you know, I had an iPhone, an iPad, and an, and, and an <laughs> iMac computer to try to, you know, look it all out. But uh, <laughs> that's kind of what it comes out to. Wow, it's been it a long time, to, really. uh, You know, 40 years for that uh, movie and 50 years for the boys. I mean, we, we started... Started playing out in 1973, May 11th, 1973. Played our first gig at the University of Rhode Island. We had uh, rehearsed for a year before that, but the first gig that we ever played was at the Rams Den uh, at, at the University of Rhode Island. It was, uh, you know, and I Very cool. and, and, and since then I had uh, two two boys graduate from that university. So oh really? Yeah, hey, yeah that's cool. How it's all connected. You all right? Yeah. Now, I I read somewhere when I was doing a deep dive into my John Cafferty uh, history that the first band you were in was called the Nightcrawlers back in 65. But one of the the things I've asked everybody from Vinny Lopez to whoever I've been interviewing is not just your first band, but how did what got you started? How old were you when you when you said this is it? I got to do this. And then what led up to, I guess, the Nightcrawlers? Coincidentally, I just uh, was with the lead singer of the Nightcrawlers uh, less than a half an hour ago. Oh, come on. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My cousin Steve. My cousin Stevie Smith. 
Uh, he, has, he has a great band called Steve Smith and Naked Truth up here. Okay. And they got a big Tempe R&B band. And Clarence used to play with them. Clarence played with them for like 15 years. Really? When Bruce wasn't out on the road, he used to do he used to do gigs with uh, Stevie Smith. Oh, maybe and that's he's, what a, he's a Rhode Island Music Hall of Famer, you know, and uh, you know, big R&B band in the tradition of, uh, you know, like uh, you know, like uh, all all the bands that we love, you know. Right, right. So how and, did you? Uh, how did you get started though? Like, what was the what would what, like you know people you know they always got the well, I saw Elvis on TV, I saw the Beatles, but what what changed? Well, me and, me and Stevie used to go see the Elvis movies in the, in the movie theater. Right, right. You know, and you know we watch. You know, our, our our parents used to take us to the movies like on. on on Saturday afternoons and just drop us off, right, you know, get right. rid of it. And they'd have, like, play two films, and they'd get rid of us for the afternoon. <laughs> you know? That was their version and, of uh, Xbox, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so me and all my cousins, we would go, and then we were either watching a Jerry Lewis movie or, or you know, uh, you know, or an Elvis movie or some, you know, right. like, you know, monster movie or something. But, uh, you know, we always liked the Elvis movies. And, and, you know, but neither one of us ever thought that, um, you know, that that was something that we could do because, you know, I mean, even though we were, we were drawn to it, but uh, when, the, when you know, when the Beatles came and, you know, you went to see A Hard Day's Night, it was like, it just looked like so much fun, you know, and it wasn't something that you had to do by yourself. Right. It was something that you could actually do with your buddies, yeah, yeah. you know, and nobody had to be the star. Everybody was the star, and, and it was like, you know, uh, it, it just looked like so much fun. So, um, you know, we had been drawn to it, um, you know, musically. There was something about it that, uh, in fact, I just wrote a song about that. You know, me and my cousin, you know, oh, cool. getting started with all of that stuff. And um, it, it was, uh, it was, um, it was fun. You know, we were like 13, 14 years old, you know, playing at the, at the dances, at CYO dances and, uh, really? you know, the school dance. And, yeah. I mean. So you had a band and, since you were about 13? Yeah. Wow. And it was called the Nightcrawlers. We, I remember driving up Route 44 and, and uh, trying to think of a name for a band. And they were, they, you know, they were selling, you know, they were selling bait, you know, for, for fishing <laughs> yeah, at yeah, the yeah. pond. And it was a big sign that said Nightcrawlers. There's our name. So we were like, this, oh man, that's a great name for a band. You know, two 13-year-old kids, 14-year-old kids. Uh, yeah. We thought it sounded, we thought it sounded English. Oh uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Could so, be, could have yeah. been a metal band right about now. I mean, that, that, well, yeah, you know. But, uh, <laughs> so now, did that lead? Fun. Did that lead to Beaver Brown? Like, or was there something after that? Or, um, well, Stevie and I both went to. Uh, we we were in different towns, and we went to different high schools, and and uh, you know he he uh, you know we were both athletes. He was a hockey player. In fact, he was all state goalie. Really? Oh, he, I, I, yeah, you know I like Providence goalies. College. Really? He played for Providence College. Yeah. Wow. He, he, yeah, he was. Uh, you know, he played Division One hockey. Oh wow! And uh, you know, I was a baseball Counted player, that. and so it was like you know we had like one foot in, one foot out, and uh, you know I 
hooked up with a bunch of guys in Providence where I was going to school. And uh, I, I had a friend I was, was in class with who uh, um, was coincidentally in the night crawlers, went to the, the Catholic boys' school that I went to. And uh, he started listening to blues records. Right. I remember he listened to Paul Butterfield and Paul Butterfield Blues Band out of Chicago and sort of turned me on to that. And we took a deep dive from there to find, figure out where all of that came from. And it was more about the, the improvisational aspect of it, like making up your own stuff. Right. You know, you were doing a version of, of whatever song that you were doing, but you were making up the solos and you were making up, there was, uh, there was a, a bit more creativity to playing blues back in the day sure. than, uh, than trying to figure out the, the George Harrison guitar solo note for note, right, you know? Right. Um, so it, it was just a, a different approach, and, and that's sort of what led to the road to uh, what ultimately became the band that was uh, that I spent my whole life in. That's incredible. Fifty years with the same band. Now, I know there's been some there's been some uh, changes to the uh, to the team over the years, but uh, fifty years like uh, how's that feel? It's uh, that's a long time. Well, you know, looking back on it, it, it it's uh, it, it feels like um, you know, it it feels like I, I'm so lucky that I got to spend my life doing exactly what I wanted to do. That's what I was hoping. To you know, yeah, that's... I got to choose it. I got to live it. You know, nobody told me what to do. Nobody made me do it. I chose it, and I got to live it. And it took me around the world. It, you know, I met yeah, so many great people in my life, including my beautiful wife, Terry Lee. I mean, some of the best nights I've ever had in my life, I've had a guitar on my hand. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, I'm very lucky. Well, very, must, very lucky. It must make you feel like a youngster up there. I mean, I was watching a couple of videos from The Pony, and I was also watching other videos that I was <clears throat> stumbling on in YouTube. I mean, you you, you sound great and you, you almost look the same. Like it's, it's like, I'm like, wow. Like there's not, you know, I mean, obviously we all change as we get older, but I mean, you, you, you got this watching a video that was taken from a, a quite a distance from the no, stage. No, no, no. <laughs> actually, I don't know, but somebody actually taped one, an entire show from May, May 28th of yours. It was, is up on YouTube. I watched the entire, or, well, listened to it mostly at work yesterday. Oh, that was in, we were in uh, Los Angeles. Oh, you guys sounded fantastic. That like, was in California. And I, yeah. and I kept thinking, 50 right, years, and he Canyon sounds this Club. good. Yeah, right. That's where it was, yeah. Yeah, so if you're out there, folks, listening, uh, check out YouTube. It is a great concert, and that'll make you want to go see JC whenever he's in, in yeah, town. Yeah, that's the one we it was uh, Memorial Day weekend. So yes. We did a song called Military Man. That, that uh, yep. I, somebody showed me a, a clip of that, and it it, it came out pretty cool. Yeah. Came out pretty cool. Yeah, Gary played played his ass off on it. Yeah, yeah, no, it came out great. Now I, I read that back in in 1980. So you're you're talking 40 years ago for Eddie and the Cruisers, but in 1980 you guys put out. Wild Summer Nights and Tender, I did not know this, and Tender Years, and they were both uh, fairly successful. And then they got kind of, I don't know, you can explain this, did they get put on the shelf until a couple of years later when Kenny Vance from, uh, 
got back to like you know talk to you guys about putting it on the soundtrack well we tried to get a record deal you know right. we were trying to get signed you know to oh, a label okay. we that had um, uh, those two songs were probably at the heart of what would have been our first album of, of you know other songs you know creating the cruiser stuff right but 10 years and while some nights were part of it uh, Heat of the Night was part of it. Something like Hot was part of it. Mariah. The, oh, some yeah, songs that sense. showed up later in, in, in other uh, forms. But um, we had an album ready to record, and we were trying to get a record deal. Um, so we decided that we would put out an uh, independent single. And uh, while Summer Night's on the A side, 10 Years on the B side, and it got picked up by a bunch of radio stations, um, uh, most notably NEW in New York City. Oh, nice. Um, became the most requested uh, song, most played song on their station. That's a pretty big market. So um, they asked us to come and play and do a showcase there and to play on the radio. Wow. Um, so we went and did a live broadcast. We were the first band uh, first unsigned band to do a live radio broadcast for them, and uh, invited all the record companies down. <laughs> you know, it was a whole lot of hoopla. I mean, it was like, it was, you know, it was like sold out four shows over the course of the weekend. I mean, it, it was something. And uh, you know, wow. it had a pretty good following in in New Jersey and Connecticut. They came into New York as well, so it was. Uh, there's a lot of uh, like a lot of fireworks going on, but in the end, you know, couldn't get signed. It just the record companies did they didn't hear it. Really? They said, um, you know, we think you're a great live band, but we don't we don't we don't hear you on the radio. And we don't see you selling records. Oh my so, God! Tender Years is just like one of the most beautiful songs. I, I played that thing over and over at, school, at dances back when I was. That was a beautiful. That's a beautiful song. No, really, it's just a gorgeous. Song. Well, thanks for saying that. That, that that's uh, that's it's uh, one of the better ones that that I wrote over the years. But um, just because of the simplicity of it, you know. I guess. It's got the the beautiful sort of brill building sort of, you know. Lyrics, you know the, those great drifter songs yes, and all that yes, stuff exactly. that came out of that era. Yep, and that's the style I was trying to write it in. And uh, you know, I mean, that was another one that uh, I got that phone call from New Jersey and the thumbs up saying that uh, you know this is a good one. This is a really good one. So, <laughs> no. like, did you speak to Bruce? Like, like, did you know him well at the time? Like, did you guys hang out or like? How was that relationship back I in the day? Mean, well, when I went down, when we started playing down in Jersey, we hung out quite a bit because he would come, he would sort of seek us out, you know. Nice. Um, come find us on the beach and stuff, and, you know. We, How he, cool I mean, that? You know, we were living the dream. I mean, yeah, we were on the beach in the daytime. I mean, that was back, <laughs> you know, we, we came in sort of late seventies to Asbury, so those guys were. Um, you know, all the musicians down there, they had, you know, they had had their name in the paper nationally. Yeah, right. And, so uh, but they were still young enough and still unattached right. um, to be, you know, to be, you know, hanging out and coming out and hanging in the bars and, you know, hanging on the beach and all that stuff. So, I mean, you know, they sort of, you know, made us part of the club and, and, uh, 
so I mean we got to spend some time, you know, in, in that light. And uh, you know, when those guys would come up here, I mean, you know, we'd go see them. Very cool. Know, and, uh, in fact, we. You know, Vinny, Vinny Lopez was, was at the show the other night. Was he? we were laughing. Yeah. And, uh, you know. He's a great and guy. We, yeah. And we were laughing. I remember one night they played up in Rhode Island. Their car broke down. And, and you know, like like we were, like all the guys in my band were like carrying all their equipment in and setting it up. And, you know, <laughs> setting up his car. I mean, this is before they were big. I mean, they were right, playing right. like college stuff sure. back then, you know. But um, but yeah, I mean, in, in fact, the first time I saw those guys play, they played at a place called Oliver's, which is the Cascan Flagon, and was right behind the left field wall, right behind the Green Monster at Fenway Park. Really? Yeah, and it was a little hole in the wall joint, you know. And there was probably like you know, forty people in there. You know, it was nineteen seventy three. You know, when that first record came out, and uh, you know, Vinny and you know, sure. Gary and David Sanchez. Yeah, uh, I mean, Davey wasn't in the band. I think Bruce played piano on a couple of songs. But oh, was Clarence was in the band, and uh, it, it was, uh, you know, and and that's when we met those guys. You know, very cool. And just, uh, you know. Just guys in bands who, who yeah, exactly. Which is weird for us to look at it that way. Like you were, you lived it, but you know, for those of us looking, you know, looking in, it's like wow, like these two iconic, you know, rock and roll guys. Just their bands just kind of hanging out, playing back then. They weren't big yet. You know, it's hard for us to picture that. Like you weren't, you weren't there yet. Well, what was great about those guys? You know, and, and you know, like the the band that I used to go see all the time. In fact, I booked them at the. Uh, well, I tried to book them at uh, our college freshman dance, but Jay Giles was a band I used to go right. see all the time up right. around here. You know, and uh, you know what was great about both of those bands was that they were rooted in like that early, you know, '50s '60s rock and roll R and B and blues and. Um, like the Jay Giles band was doing more like what we were doing, right. um, only you know a, a, like two or three steps ahead of us. But they they were taking old R and B songs and putting their own spin on them and putting their own personality into them and doing their version of it, right? Which which was great, and that's what we were doing in the bars to be able to work. What the E Street guys were doing with Bruce is like they were taking the colors of those songs and they were making their own songs out of them. Right. You know, exactly. And that's what I was interested in doing. And that's what, you know, you know, when Bruce would help me as a songwriter, you know, we would talk about all the great old records that we loved and what we loved about them and what we loved about the the instrumentation and the words and the, you know, the, the stories they told and, and all of that. So, you know, um, you know, there was a lot to talk about there and, you know, making that transition from, uh, you know, playing cover songs to playing, uh, your own versions of cover songs to playing, original songs that were colored by the history of the music that you loved. I mean, that's where a song like, uh, 
you know, like Tender Years or Boardwalk Angel or those kind of songs come in. Right. You know, where where they they they're reminiscent of like the Drifters or 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 you know any of that stuff from that era, but um, but they're, they're songs that you wrote. Yeah, exactly. Paying paying respect and, and homage to that era. So. So just to kind of step back, so what happened, you know, after you had that kind of, you know, success with Wild Summer Nights and Tender Years and then, you know, you didn't get picked up, how did how did the Eddie and the Cruisers uh, soundtrack come about? Because those songs are obviously on that album. Uh, well, as legend has it, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> Kenny Vance was in New York City. He was... Uh, you know, Kenny Vance is the producer of Eddie and the Cruises, right. and he was in a band called uh, J and the Americans, for those of you who haven't heard the story, um, which was a band that was produced by Lieber and Stoller, which is, um, and, you know, they worked with Elvis Presley and the Drifters. Yeah, my my old man listened to those guys, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they wrote Stand By Me with Benny King. I mean, that just uh, on and on and on. But, they, right. you know, they were very you know one of the the original pillars of of rock and roll music as we know it and uh you know and those were kenny's producers so kenny was walking out of bleaker street uh walked by uh the bitter end which is a place that bob dylan used to play and very famous very famous bar yeah. in, in in greenwich village and you know he just heard the music coming out the window came in sat down listened to us and uh, never met him. He didn't introduce himself. Nothing, <laughs> you know. But I knew he liked us because he called us up like a year later with a movie script and said, "You know, I think you guys would be perfect for this." A year later, and, right? that's awesome. Yeah, and of course I said no. You did, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> what changed your mind? Well, you know, when you're trying to get a record deal, we couldn't. You know, it's just they just would knock on a. You know, I thought we were good enough. You know, I I believed in my heart when I looked out into to the eyes of the people who stood in front of us and, and, and saw their reaction to what we were doing. I'm saying to myself, well, who buys records if not for pe people like this? You know, <laughs> I mean, I I didn't exactly. believe that, that uh, what they were saying. So, you know, I didn't want to do it. But. You know, I kept we kept getting stonewalled, and the band said, "Well, why don't we try this and see what happens?" And so I reluctantly agreed to do it, and we did it, and they were right, and it led to uh, led to a record deal. Yeah. And then all the record company people who were walking out of the bottom line saying, "Nope, we can't use you," were calling me up and saying, "You know." I was the one who wanted to, yeah, yeah. but nobody would listen <laughs> That's to me. Right. Everybody <laughs> they wanted. They wouldn't listen to me. I knew you were great. <laughs> you know, three million records later. Yeah, right. Now know? they're your best friend, sure. Yeah, but, but you know, I mean, it's, it's so. The rest it, is history. You know, it's just it, it's part of the story. You know, it, it's like we're the bottom line. It's like you walk on a stage, you count to four, you can either do it or you can't. You know, <laughs> right. my band could always do it, always. You know, right from the beginning, sure. right till you know the other night when we were on stage, we count to four, and for whatever reason, you know, uh, God happens. has given us some uh, magic 
tricks that we can (laughs) we can share you know well, you've been doing it. You've been doing it very well, my friend. And like I said, watching those videos, I mean, you guys haven't you haven't lost a step. It's 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 great to see. You sound great. You you look great. It's uh, how about that tunes, man? You oh, it's so nice to have him back. I mean, I I know what oh, he went boy. through, and if you guys must just love having tunes back. I mean, we. Oh my God, eighty three. You know, oh, he's gonna be eighty three. Is year. how old really? Yeah, you're gonna be 83. Oh, I mean, it's just—it's—he it, looks I mean, great. It's just, I mean, it's miraculous oh, that it he is. can do what he does. Oh, I mean, he just—you know—we played in Boston a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he just was—I mean, you know, mesmerizing. You know, I mean, you know, he—he's he, one of those musicians that um, you play music. It's like you play an instrument. I mean, you're not playing for musicians so people don't really understand what you're doing right but they understand how they feel when you're doing it and tunes can take his instrument and he can play and he reaches people on a heart-to-heart level it's like he he makes people want to dance on tables he makes people cry he make you know what? he just can communicate emotion and I, you know, I don't know with if, his with his instrument. I don't know it's if you remember. I don't know if you remember this, but now it, exactly to your point, you were playing at the Greg Fru, and I think it was the first show, and Tunes was doing a solo. It might have been tender years. I can't remember. Anyways, he's doing a solo, and he got somebody so emotional that they walked up onto the stage and hugged him. Do you re, do you remember that? I got it on video. <laughs> They walked up and hugged him, and we were all, the security was like, oh, no. And, like, he literally just wanted to give Tunes a hug, and he hugged him while he was playing. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Like, he, the guy got that emotional. And and his, you know, I re, I can still hear that sax, you know, going through the theater. And, and it, yeah, it just it, it just stirs up these emotions. And it's just yeah, incredible what he can do. I, that's one of my favorite uh, instruments anyways, but Tunes knows how to do it. He sure does. And, uh, he sure does. But, you know, it's and I've had a front row seat for all these many sure. years, you know, and it's really something. So, but, uh, you know, he was, uh, that dude, you know, he had a, an issue with his teeth, and he broke yeah. a tooth, and they had the, you know, that was holding a plate in, in place that he had played with for many, many years, and they had to do, like, you know, bone grafts and all kinds of stuff to, you know, get his armature back together. And it was like, it was long and involved. And he was, you know, he was, you know, genuinely concerned that uh, he might not not be able to play or if he could play, he wouldn't be able to play the same. And, um, you know, it was, it was something. So when he actually made it all the way back, I mean, just, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, so fun to have him uh, up there and just, you know everybody's just so elated you nice know? to have it's tunes great. off the dl that's good oh man back in the band oh yeah it's a huge know, piece I mean, clem still comes around and, and plays and are you know are uh up front andrew clock who played in my cousin stevie smith's band um you know so we we have we have a couple of guys who play with tunes from time to time nice Take take a little pressure off, and uh, but um, especially on the road gigs. But to be eighty three um, and still doing it—that's uh, God bless him. That's fantastic. 
Man, I'll sign up for that tomorrow. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I have trouble walking up the stairs at 57 sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's been a minute since you've been to Niagara, uh, but you headlined two of our shows. It's been a long minute, man. we got to get back up there. We, yeah, I, it's funny. I've been thinking about that all week as I've been listening to you and thinking, man, we got to get these. And I'm watching you. I'm thinking, we got to get you guys back here. But you you played in 2011, uh, Light of Day 5, and then again in 2014. And I remember the first show. I just got to know you. And uh, we were standing in the wings. And Willie now, who's my guest next week, uh well, he was playing, and he was... Mr. Rock and Roll. Yeah, oh, yeah, and he was blowing it up, and you looked at me. I'll never forget this, and you said, how in the hell am I going to follow that? And then you went up, and you, you burned up the place. Like, you you actually you took it to the next level, and I said, that's how you do it right there. <laughs> you went out to the... Huh. You blew every... It, like, it was honestly one of the best shows until you came back, and then I think the second show was probably the best show we've ever had. Uh, you remember you remember that? You put that together. I had seen you at a private party in Buffalo, and we chatted after. And you had your all-star band. You had the guy from Pablo Cruz and a few different people. And you said, maybe we should put something like this together and we'll do Light of Day again. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. We, we brought, uh, we brought uh, Wally, yep. Wally Palmer from the Romantics. We just talked to him on the phone the other day. And... Uh, we had Alex Ridgewood from Santana. Yeah. Alex, or in California. In fact, he was at Yeah, he was show. on. Sh- yeah, he was there with you. Yeah. yeah. How cool was that? And, uh, yeah. And, and PT, Pat Travers. Yes, Canadian boy. Oh, man. Our Jeff Beck. Oh, man. He's and that long trip back from Kingston where we showed up at the we showed up at like 6 a.m. in the parking lot um, yeah the, I think you know after we, you know after we uh, after we uh, polished off all the, the the refreshments that were in the dressing room <laughs> I think we stopped we solved all the problems in the world on the way back home. Right? <laughs> I think we did. I remember we had this. We had to stop. Into the sunrise, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, we, I think we see, I think we had it all figured out by the time we go back. We had it figured out, and I remember everybody going, "We're never doing this again. We're never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time." And it was the last time we did that. <laughs> it wasn't the wasn't the best routing. We weren't really into routing then. We 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 uh, we learned our lesson, JC. I tell you that much. <laughs> but we had some great conversations on the way up and on well, the way back. Well, maybe you you. Maybe you you learned your lesson. I I just did it like I just did like ten days out on the northwest. Oh my god, we, you know we were going from like Spokane to like you know Grants Pass, you know Oregon, Boise. I mean we were all over the place. I mean driving through snow covered mountains and stuff. Yeah, I, so, I guess that that that. Yeah, I, I'm still learning the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I remember for that show, and honestly, when I look back, we've done what, 13 shows, 12 shows. That was that was by far my, my favorite show. And I remember being able to finally stop running around like crazy just before you guys got on. And then Wally did the uh, romantic songs, and Alex did his Santana songs, and Pat did his songs. And it was just it, it was just a great night. But when you put it together, I remember me and you going on the phone, and you kept telling me, you know, because you understood Light of Day, 
that it's got to be the right people. You know, they've got to fit. And you you were bang on. Those guys fit perfectly. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, like musically, it, it, it's uh, it, it's always fun when it's diverse, but but compatible, you know. And and personally, it's like it it, it it's mandatory that it's compatible. You know, you want guys who who have who are personable guys who have big hearts that that you know that 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 know how to take that late night drive. You know? Yeah, right. And you know, yeah, because that's what you want. You want you want people just putting out like you know positive, uh, you know positive energy. You know, and that and that's what all those guys are. You know, and and. Uh, I mean, because that's who that's who is up there. That's what you guys are. Well, you know, and you know, the thing, and all all of your friends and all the people who lend a hand and lend their hearts and lend their time and generosity to those causes. I mean, you know, there there are certain kind of people, and and you want musicians who are going to be able to walk into that situation and understand it and feel at home in it. And uh, you know, that's who those guys were. Well, and they felt so much at home. This is like I, when I think about it. Sometimes I, like I said, I got to pinch myself because it's hard to, hard to imagine. But you know, we. I remember we were, you know, cleaning up, and you guys were hanging out in the green room, and then we. All, it was me, you, Pat, Wally, Alex, and we were walking across the street. We went over to Yanks Old Niagara to the after party, and I kept thinking, what. Well, wow, these guys actually want to go to the after party. And then they, you know, Wally got up and sang with Joe Durso. Alex got up and sang. Like, it was, they just fit in so well that they actually, they hung out with us. Like, it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, it was, it was definitely a memory I'll, I'll, I'll cherish forever. But uh, pretty cool to see Wally Palmer doing, you know, what I like about you on the, at, at the bar that I used to play that song at. <laughs> cool. Hey, birds of a feather. He's, you know, he's a, such a great guy, Become such good friends with him over the years, you know. Yeah, he was. Just, uh, yeah, they were they were super guys. They were easy to talk. I remember Alex. I mean, my cousin drove him back to Toronto to the uh, to the airport, and, and you know, my cousin said, "Wow, what a what an amazing guy he was." And you know, I still touch base with him the odd time on Facebook. So, good nice, guys. nice, good guys. So, now before we get into your new stuff, because I'm really excited to talk about that, I want to take a little a little musical break and play some but i got i got to tell a little quick story to to the folks now you know this one um you and i uh, the night before the first time you played we were over at yanks having drinks i remember talking to you going this should really be my dad talking to him because my dad knows way more about music than i'll ever know and uh, and uh, you guys would have hit it off perfectly (laughs) if you were were sitting out having drinks but we, we were talking and i told you a story about my old DJ days, and I had a I had a DJ service called Backstreet Productions, and and I like I said played a lot of your songs, but one of the songs it wasn't a hit for you I don't you know per se was was Dixieland, and I've always loved it. I mean, talk about getting you wanting to dance like that song just right from the get go. You want to get up and move, and so I used to play it, and people they dug it like they they wanted to hear it, so it became part of our thing. So. We had this old blue van uh, that we carried our equipment in, and you know, it had the shag rug, you know, it was one of those. And it, it turns, it always turned into the party van once I started DJing. All the guys that helped out went back there, and you know, they did their thing with their, they had the booze and girls, whatever. And I never asked questions, but we called it the, the backstreet party van. So I changed the words. I'd get on the mic, we put on Dixieland, 
And in, and instead of saying uh, everybody's going down to Dixieland, I would get the crowd to say everybody's partying in the Backstreet van. And I was telling you this story. Ah, yeah, so I was telling you the story, and you know, I just met you, and I, I didn't think you, you know, why would you pay attention to Dave? You don't know me. Why would you care about any of my stories? So the next night, you go to introduce the song. You call me up. Not only do you play the song, but you changed the lyrics. You had me sing with you, and you changed the lyrics to everybody's partying in the Backstreet Van. I, I don't know if I ever thanked you. I don't know if I ever thanked you enough for making my night. And it was one of the biggest thrills of my, I'm going to say my young life, of, of my life. It was just getting up, singing with one of your rock and roll heroes, and, and you actually singing those words. It just, it made, it, it made light of day for me, John. Uh, that's so fun. So I thought, I'm going to play that. Uh, you're listening. I, I know people are enjoying the interview, but it's time to get your feet tapping again. I'm going to play one of my favorite songs by John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band from the Smash album, Tough All Over. Here's John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band with Dixieland.
the crowd goes wild. That was Backstreet Van. I mean, uh, Dixieland by the legendary John Cafferty from his 1985 Smash album. Tough all over here on 4680 Q Niagara's internet radio station. I'm Dan. I'm with Dave. This is just around the corner, and we're talking to good friend and light of day two-time headliner, Mr. John Cafferty. You there, John? I'm right here. Uh, did you Did you notice I put the I put the mic up real quick to, and I sang that I sang uh, the Backstreet Van thing. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nobody's listening. They don't care. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, yeah, without well, that, that album, I I think John. Uh, I, I mean, I know I played City, Tough All Over. I used to, slow songs, I used to play Small Town Girl, and I loved Crystal Blue, uh, Tex-Mex. And I'm pretty sure I played Voice of America, Sons, and Dixieland. So I've, I played everything but two, I think, from that album, Our Dances. <laughs> you, were, you were a staple. Wow. You, you, I'm telling, I showed you. I showed you that list that one day. Because uh, it, it, you, were, you were loved and uh, revered here in the Niagara region, I'll tell you. Well, we certainly appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, it, it's you know, I can tell that, that we got a little airplay up there because uh, you know when we went up there, boy, it was. I mean, I couldn't believe the reaction that we got. It was so great. Oh yeah, yeah, they showed you a, a lot of love. I know people ask about you to this day, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to work on that. But that that album when it came out, tough all over. Like you know, you guys just come off the Eddie and the Cruiser success. Now this was your. I guess I, I always look at it as your second album, but it's like that was your first Beaver Brown album of all of your songs, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, at we, the time, we had, um, you know, we we had always planned on doing a different group of songs. We we had a first album that uh, we had put together that we were chomping at the bit to record and get out there, but um, it. it when we did the Eddie and the Cruises one, we lost two of the big songs that were sort of, uh, you know, like right. the heart and soul of in, in, uh, um, so the, the Eddie and the Cruises project led to the record deal that we always wanted, but it also took away my ability to make the record that I had planned that you on wanted making. to do. Right. So it was a kind of a catch 22, but, um, but so I started writing. I, I ended up writing, you know, a whole different group of songs that were very uh, thematically and stylistically different. Right. Um. And that we went on the tough all over record, and uh, you know, uh, I actually was writing songs that were more concise and more. You know, the, the craft of them was more geared towards, uh, you know, writing hooks. And and um, uh, I, I remember hearing a, a, an interview with John Lennon, and they they were asking uh, they were asking him about it was back in the seventies, and it was when everybody was playing, you know, everybody was playing like songs that were really long and not really commercial right. and a lot of soloing and stuff, you know, and then they asked John Lennon, you know, how he felt about the Beatles' commercial success, you know, having so many singles and all of that, you know, because it wasn't really that hip in the, in the early 70s. And he just said, you know, I'm just, you know, really proud of what we did with the Beatles. He said, uh, you know, he said, uh, you know, who wants to write songs that nobody's ever going to hear? Yes, you know, I've, I've so, heard you say that line before, right? Yeah, 
he said, so, you know, we would say what we wanted to say, play what we wanted to play without compromise, and then use our craft as songwriters to put it in a format that was going to get played on the radio so that people could hear our stuff, you know? And I thought about that, and I said, I had a, I had a whole pile of, like, 15-minute songs that, <laughs> that were never going to get played on the radio. So I start, you know, I started writing stylistically a little bit different, and uh, you know, and and ended up having hit records. I, you know, right. CITY was a big hit, Tuffalova was a big hit, and there was no movie, there was no nothing else. It was, it was just, just you off, guys, yeah. You know, and I was probably uh, it was, you know, a very uh, it was a it was a feeling of accomplishment. You know, to be able to do that. Um, yeah, because it was yours. Even more so than than on the dark side and all of that. I mean, to to follow over album, to be able to come out um, on our own with with you know none of the the baloney that went along with the film, right? And just straight up rock and roll band from Rhode Island, count the four, put it out there, and to be able to come up with this stuff. You know, after losing our opportunity to make a record that we all had planned on for years, um, having to scrap that and come up come up with something new, I was very very proud of the fact that we had hit records off of that. Right, and that, you, were, you uh, guys were on like Dick Clark and all that stuff, right? Like, you know, I saw some. I was watching some interviews of you, some older interviews. I think I think you I think you said you were on Dick Clark. And he was really really cool. Do you like? Oh you were, yeah, you were doing American all that Bandstand. stuff. Right? It was like yeah, you know, how cool I mean, is that? We, we were. I mean, that was, that was, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, we didn't know about MTV. I didn't even have cable, you know, we were like number one on MTV, but I didn't have cable television. So <laughs> I, I didn't MTV? really understand what it was, but I understood what American Bandstand was. Sure. And, and uh, it, you know, I mean, to, to us, you know, being on there with like Dick Clark and all of that was like, I mean, you know, that was a, that was a, a, a very big sign of commercial success for us. So sure, that's like it was, you know, I mean, it like it, it's hard to relate to that now, but but um, you know, back in the day, I mean, it was the end of that era. Yeah. You know, and it, sadly, it was, it was the end of like the '50s, '60s era, and we were just at the tail end of it when Dick Clark was closing up shop with American Bandstand, and it was a, uh, it was a, uh, you know, and then it became the MTV. You know, era. But I guess, I guess, uh, like that was the pinnacle at one point. Like, you know, I, I know with with comedians, you know, if Carson asked you to sit down, you made it. You were you were there. Like once once you did your thing on his show on the Tonight Show, if he asked you to sit down, same thing with Letterman. You know, they and I guess Dick, you know, Dick Clark and the American Bandstand. That was for a musician of your time. That must that was the pinnacle, right? Like that, I made it. This is because you watched it on TV. That and Ed Sullivan, right? I mean, the whole idea of like the you know I mean the, the whole idea of like the the, the dance party television yeah. show I right. mean that's like that's uh, that's Greece that's like <laughs> Bye Bye Birdie that's uh, I'm you feeling know, old you know I mean? I'm feeling old yeah I mean but it's, it's, it's just like a, a, a an image or a representation of a, of an era right 100%. you know in 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 uh, in rock and roll history you know and we were. Uh, but at the tail end of all of that, you know. Oh, that was yeah, and it, it, just a great time. Now you guys have 
I'm very excited about this. A new album coming out in the fall. Your first album of new, new material since my favorite album of yours, Roadhouse, which... To, I, I've been no, it is. I've I've been playing it all weekend, ready for you, and just forgot how much I love it. A customary thing, victory. To, uh, just a just an incredible album from back. So it's your first album since 1988, correct? Uh, yeah. I mean, there was uh, there was another soundtrack record, I think, after that. But um, yeah. Oh, that's. It was, uh, I think the Eddie and the Cruz was two. Was two, right? That. You did do that after. And there was, yeah, because yeah. yeah, that's where uh, Mariah and those songs were on, right? That was Eddie yeah, and the Cruisers, too. Running through the fire. Roadhouse, <laughs> you know, which I, I thought had some of our, you know, some really good songs. It didn't, yeah, I, I remember handing that, that record into Sony, and, um, well, it was, it was CBS Epic at the time, and I remember handing it in. And they couldn't figure out what song was going to be the single. Really? Like, I remember they had a meeting, and they, they were like, you know, there were five different songs that were being picked for a single, and they couldn't come to an agreement. So they just they they came to the conclusion that if they couldn't agree on which song was the single, then maybe there wasn't a single. <sighs> the whole album was a single. I should have. Been, <laughs> I, you should have brought it to me first. <laughs> uh, but there, you know, there, there was, there, you know, there were there were quite a few songs on there that that oh. uh, had some had some life to them. But uh, but it, you know, it uh, it came and went, and uh, and um, you know, and then they asked us to do another movie soundtrack, which I really really didn't want to do. You know, I felt like I had. Yeah, you know, I, I had, uh, you know, I had come through it. You know, I got out from behind the shadows of it. Right. I had a hit record on my own with the band without any attachment to films. And, you know, I had felt that we had gone through that part and I just did not want to dive back into that, the, into that. You know, I didn't want to dive back into it because I, I figured we would be buried by it. And um, and but you know, it was uh, it, it, the idea was presented to me that uh, you know, well, <laughs> you know, the you first time, the movie right? you don't have a record deal. Oh, you know, so well, and then the movie twenty two, the movie flopped. The soundtrack's great. I mean, I you know I listen to that too a lot, but. Uh, I know the what, movie. The too? Yeah, the movie didn't do well at all. The the soundtrack the sounds great. Right, the oh. songs are good. Oh, songs, songs are fantastic. Are really Actually, it might the songs on that might eclipse the first one. I mean, you had the big hit on the first one, but you know, there's 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 a ton of great great songs on that that record. Oh yeah, matter of time. Right? Oh, fire, open road. I mean, oh. those are some of our best songs. You know, I I just said. You know, I don't want to do this, but if I do it, I'm just going to write the best songs that I possibly can. I'm not even going to watch the movie. I'm just going to just do it. And that's what I did. Now, see, I never saw I, I saw the movie once. That was it, just I'm, to make sure that everything lined up. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, I just, other than your music, it wasn't a great movie. But I guess I had my timeline wrong. I, for some reason, I thought that was out before Roto, so... Bad host I am. I thought I, I I thought I had it all down there, but uh, no, it was, it, it, that was a great album. But since then, you know, 
you haven't really, you know, you haven't really put out anything li- or uh, anything new. So what made you get back into uh, the writing? Was it the COVID? Um, no. Well, I'm sure you it always wrote. COVID, but... It was just, um, you know, I, I didn't have a record deal for all those years. Um, you know, the Eddie and the Cruises 2 record, you know, I did so that we could keep the record deal. Um, and right. you know, I made, the, I made the, 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 the soundtrack right and they dropped us anyway. So, <laughs> uh, and at that point we were, we were sort of out of the record business. I mean, we weren't, we were still a great rock and roll band. We could still play. We still had our, all of our performing skills, right? but we didn't have the ability or the money to, you know, to make records. Um, it was before the computer revolution and all of that, where you know you could go about it in a different way. But uh, but I, but music had changed. Um, right. The the whole style of music, what was being played, what was uh, what was out there. I, I didn't really see I didn't really see us in that in what was out there. So I mean, we I just so went about. Uh, my business of just uh, being in a band. Right. You know, that's what I chose to do Did in the beginning was to pick up a guitar and get together with a bunch of friends and to make music that we could be proud of. So that's what we did. And we didn't make records anymore. We just, um, just, we just played. played. We just played live, you know, and we were still really good at it. I had a whole pile of songs that, uh, from the past, and uh, you know, I had a handful of new songs that uh, we would do for different projects here and there. But um, um, I just stopped writing. Right. You know, I, I, I just didn't. Uh, there was nothing. There was nothing motivating me to to write. I didn't see an outlet for it. Um, you know, right or wrong. Um, I, I just didn't. Yeah, you got a feeling, and right? So you know, I, at least I was honest about it. Sure. You know, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna try to, you know, just put out some bullshit that I was making up. I was like, uh, just, I, I didn't, didn't really have much to say about things at that point, and I, you know, just put myself into. Uh, you know the the thing that was the joy of my life, which was was raising a family. Right. You know, and that's what it was. I mean, rock and roll was my job, and it wasn't my life. My life was my life at that point. Yeah, you were coaching and baseball. And that's what I concentrated on. And I'm really glad that I did. To be honest with you, I mean, I would never be able to get those years back. I didn't need to be riding around in a tour bus. I didn't need to be like. You know, trying to get my picture on a magazine. I didn't, I didn't need to do any of that. I needed to be dad. I needed to be in the little league dugout. I needed to be there for my boys growing up, and, and that's what I did. That's you know, and that's a, that's that's a great reason. And you're right. You you never would have gotten those back. You would have missed all those memories, and you know, to be able to have done both, and now to go back to it, you know, more. Uh, uh, you know, with a new album and, and you know, touring, you know, and now that your kids are grown up, I mean, that, that, that's that's almost the perfect life. You did it on both ends. And then, you know, it, like a few years back, um, it, it wasn't really 
um, it, it may have coincided with COVID, but it wasn't really a factor in it. But uh, I just had an idea for a song. As was, uh, uh, and, and I wrote it down, and, and uh, um, it, it led to an idea for another song, and then another, and another, and another. And next thing I knew, I, I, I you know, I said to Gary, I said, you know, I, I got some songs. I, I said, we should start recording them, you know. And so me and Gary got together and, and started, uh, awesome. you know, making tapes and, and uh, producing uh, a new record. And, uh, and we got a whole, a whole slew of new music that, uh, that um, you know, it's going to be coming out very, very soon. So uh, yeah, when's it coming? We thought we would have the whole record. We thought we'd have the whole record finished, the whole collection finished by the, the beginning of the summer. We almost did, but we didn't have it all quite done yet. Right. Um, the songs were all written. The songs were 99.9% recorded, but it's, it's not all finished. The production is not all finished on it. Right. So we decided we wanted to have something at the beginning of the summer just because, you know, we, we had a couple of songs of thematic for that. And, uh, and you know, and, it, and it's also now becoming a singles world, like it was. Yes, when it's. We were kids. I know. I've been watching. It's changed quite a bit. These bands put out you know, their singles uh, on Spotify. You, know, you can put out albums, but you can also put out songs one at a time as right. well. Yeah. So I think we're 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 going to try to do both. We're going to try to put out a, a single a month for the summer, and then uh, you know, hopefully September, mid September, um, get the rest of them all out. You know, but and and put the the whole the whole shooting match out there. So what's the name a lot of, of good songs. What's the name of the album? I've been I've been dying to ask you. What's it going to be called? Uh, I'm I'm up in the air. Oh, it's I still up in the air. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, well, you know, I, I've and you can't put it out there because if you put it out there, then you're you're stuck, right? So. Right, yeah. right. It, it, it's it's one of three. Okay, so <laughs> it's one of three. Well, it, it's not called Day in the Sun, but Day in the Sun is is, oh. uh, is the name of the first single, folks. And and, gotta go and we wanted to get that one out first because that's just a fun song. And and, and that, in fact, Gary's coming over tomorrow morning. We're making a little radio edit on it to tighten it up for for radio because it's a little bit. A little bit long, but we wanted to get it out there for Memorial Day, and we're just going to tighten it up to maybe like three and a half minutes for, for radio play. Yeah, I noticed it was about five-something when I was listening to it the other day, and I'm like, oh, it's fairly long. It didn't doesn't seem that long because it's so much fun, and you just you get through it, and you go, oh, that was longer than I thought. Well, Gary had such a great guitar solo on yes. it, and then Tunes comes in at the end, and, you know, just like, you know, I mean, just blowing you know, all that great sort of King Curtis kind of stuff at the end and and uh you know, we gotta we gotta tighten it up. I might have to take a chorus or half of a chorus out here and there. I mean, you know what it is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, you know, we just we put out the the live version that we do. It's not it's live in the studio, but it, right. it's it's like the longer version and we're gonna tighten it up a little bit for for uh for because I mean, we got Fourth of July coming, so that I mean, that's yeah, still going to be a factor. I mean, that's why we wanted to get our own Memorial Day because we wanted to uh, just introduce it 
and it's a summer song, so it, it's gonna it's gonna have some life. It's gonna be uh, it's know. gonna be played constantly by the Rotella Pool this summer. I guarantee it. <laughs> It'll be it's already no, I, it's already in rotation, John. Yeah, yeah. I gotta I gotta get you to work. You know, you're <laughs> my uh, internet guru over here. Yes, we're gonna have so to. I, yeah, I, it's it's time to maybe do some updating that that site there. Is, um, you know, I I wouldn't have had a website if it wasn't for you. I almost forgot I mean, about you, that, but it might be time to redo it. That's right. You, you, I remember when you came along, you had the torch, and you, you know, you lit the torch up, and you came in and found me in the cave. And, you know, and said, <laughs> hey, JC, hey, you've you got to have a website. <laughs> what the hell's a website? You know, what are you doing in there? You know, you got to get out of that cave. Ah, you're too funny. You're too funny. Well, I got to well, tell you. it's true. You know how true that is. Yes, I you do. Know? <laughs> well, you said that you were being played on MTV, but you, you didn't even know what it really was. So that's kind of funny in and of itself. But uh, you're old school. There's nothing wrong with old school. But if you're old school, make sure that, that this thing comes out on vinyl for us, for us vinylholics. Well, you know, that, you know that, I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, I... I I talked with uh, Jeremy Holiday, who's who's the um, he's the head of Iconoclastic Records, which uh, which uh, released our greatest hits record. Oh, that's right! Um, Last year you did a great hits. That's right. Oh man, yeah, I'm so thrilled with, with that project. You know, it's um, you had a couple he did hits. Such a great job. <laughs> you well, I mean, he you know I, he was he was a guy that worked at at, at uh, Sony. Uh, right. A little bit after Ross, but he worked at Sony. He's a young guy, but he worked at Sony for like you know twenty five years or so. I mean, he started as a kid there, you know, like as a college rep, and uh, you know, so he was very familiar with us. But um, wasn't there when I was there, and you know, he was really good friends with Jimmy Jameson, God rest his soul, the lead singer, oh, Survivor, yeah, Survivor. Yeah. and uh, you know, and it, I got to be friends with Jeremy, and we had talked about putting a compilation out. When when he was still at Sony, but he was wasn't in that sort of department there, right? And you know, put you know, but they weren't really interested in in that at the moment. And then when he left Sony, he started working for this company called Iconic Classic, and then ended up becoming vice president and then president. And they took old classic rock masters, and you know. Re repackaged them and re-released them, and I mean you're talking about names like Jeff Beck, Lou Reed, the Isley Brothers, Paul oh, wow. and Oates, Carl Wilson, Lauren Nero. I mean, I mean, wow. you know, just iconic people, you know. And he called me up and said, "Hey, I'm president of this label. Do you want to pursue putting this uh, greatest hits package out?" And I said, "Absolutely." And I said, "How are you going to get around? Uh, you know." Some songs being on soundtracks and some songs right. being on my yeah. records and whatever. And he said, "Well, you know, I I I I know who to talk to." So, so yeah. he was able to pull it all together and he and he put together like a storyline um, of a band. You know, when 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 my band plays a show at night, right. right? When we're playing on the dark side and we're playing Tender Years and we're playing. Burn the Roadhouse down, and we're playing Open Road and Matter of Time and all that. I'm not thinking about, well, this song was in a movie, this song was on this record, this song was... I'm just thinking about, these are all my songs. Right. These are the songs of my band. 
Yeah. You know, I don't care how they were used or how people Yeah, what album they were on. What, These yeah. are the songs of a rock and roll band from Rhode Island, and this is what we do. This is who wrote it. This is where it comes from. And this is our story. This is nobody else's story. This is nobody else's project. This is ours. This is you. That's right. And so when we play, that's what we're thinking. You know, we're not thinking about anything else. And he put together an album that comes across that way. It's 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 not about, you know, like how the songs were used by the record companies. It's how the songs were created by the individuals in this one particular band called John Caffey and the Beaver Brown Band. Right, right. And, you know, it, it, he did such a great job. I, you know, he picked out great songs. There's a 16-page booklet, you know, that tells our story, the whole history of the band and the yep. history of our music and where it all comes from, what is inspired, you know, and, and just beautiful pictures of, of the guys when they were, you know, when they were young and beautiful. They're young and beautiful. <laughs> young and innocent. <laughs> you, you, know, you mentioned one of my favorite J.C. songs, uh, uh, Burn That Roadhouse Down. There. Put on your pink party dress, the one that fits you real tight. That, that, we another great that song. At, What's that? We opened up with that at the Pony. Oh, that's Joey Grishecki's favorite song that we do. Oh, it, yeah. It's phenomenal. Oh, it's Joey's favorite. I, got, I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, coming from him, I mean, he's one of my favorite songwriters ever. Oh, you know? So, you know, when, when he tells you, when he, when Joe Grishecki says, you know, Joe Grishecki of the Iron City House Rockers says, That's right. that song rocks. That is a rock and roll song. Oh, that, it is. You know, then you got you to... Gotta, you got to take the compliment. Now, that was on Roadhouse. How did that not be a single? I was just thinking about that. That was on Roadhouse. Roadhouse? That should have been a well, single. The, the song Roadhouse, I mean, it's like a Jerry Lewis song. No, but I mean, you know? burn the Roadhouse down. Like, that Like that. That was a, that's, that's a single right there. Uh, I should have been in Roadhouse. Could have been. I should have been. Should have been. Probably make a great country single. Yes, yes. <laughs> I got to get Evan playing that one now. I love it. Now yeah, it's in my head. It's in my. There he's playing go. tonight. I got to make sure he plays. He 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 knows everything by you. So I, maybe I'll get him. Yeah, I'll throw a, in a request. Uh, <laughs> well, listen, buddy. Me and you could talk probably for another two hours. Uh, I didn't even bring the Red Sox up because of, I'm I'm sad first of all with the way they're playing and I didn't want to I didn't want to get into it. But I did want to tell people before we leave because I had it written down here that this guy used to coach ball with a Red Sox, Freddie Lynn, didn't you? Didn't you coach ball with Freddie Lynn from the Red Sox? Uh, or he helped I, you? I didn't coach with him, but. But I played in a lot of charity events with Freddie Lynn, and I, oh, used, to, I used to pick his brain and ask. Oh, him for that's advice. what it was. Okay, because you used to t- yeah, you used to tell me some of the advice you got from Freddie. I thought you guys, I thought maybe well, you guys coached example, ball together. For example, you know, I would say to Freddie, I'm, I'm coaching a wood bat league. Kids are 15 to 18, right? They've never hit with wooden bats. They've only hit with metal bats. What would you tell them if I could give them one piece of advice? What would you say? He said, stand three inches closer to the plate. I said, well, why would you do that? He said, because the sweet spot in a wood bat is three inches smaller than, than a metal bat. So really? Stay three inches closer to the plate, you can get the barrel of the bat on the ball. I said I wouldn't have thought of that me, in, a, in a zillion years. No, me because neither, and I and that's what happened to our boys too a couple of years ago. That's why you play guitar, and I want a batting title. <laughs> <laughs> well, you once, you once, me and you were talking, and I was on the way to a ball game, 
to coach, and Evan was in the car, and you were on speakerphone, and you gave him the advice that I gave to the team quite often after that. You, I said, what advice you got for Evan? You said, if it's a good pitch, take a good swing. There you go. And I said that, to, I, I think I used that for the next, uh, my final three years of, or four years of coaching. So, oh, to, man. If it's a good yeah. pitch, you take a good swing. And uh, yeah, sometimes it worked. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it worked. But well, I'll uh, tell you what, you need a good pitch, though. Unless you're Yogi Berra, you got to have that good pitch. That's right, and then you got to and then you got to take advantage of now, it. You can put a good swing on a bad pitch, and ain't gonna, it's not gonna do much. But you know, you got to have the good pitch. And these guys that used to like to watch the first pitch used to drive me crazy because if it's a good pitch, take a swing at it. Don't let it. You might not see that one again. So swing at it. Oh man! I know they taught Mookie to swing at the first pitch, but when Mookie had the MVP, hey, you or, know, unless you're Ted Williams, you know, Ted, Ted used to let the first one go by, but he's Ted Williams. That's right. There's, uh, hey, my son Jackson played it. You know, when he was 12, he played a, a tournament in in Cooperstown, New York. Right. And it was kids who came from all over the country. And Jackson was a little, you know, cool. he was a little pip, and he was like the smallest guy on the field, and he was a leadoff batter. And he'd get up, and the kid was huge, right, that, that was pitching, and he was throwing smoke. And so I called him all. I said, so what do you think? He goes, oh, he's big, huh? I said, I said, I'll tell you what. I said, he's big, and he, he thinks he's going to throw this first pitch right by you because you're not big. He thinks that he can do it. He's going to throw a strike right down the middle because he thinks he can throw it right by you. So all you have to do, it's going to be a fastball. He's not going to throw you a curve. He's going to try to just bury you. Right. All you have to do is you beat him to the front of the plate with the barrel of your bat. All his power is yours. He walked up there. Guy threw, a, guy threw smoke first pitch. Jackson swung and hit it 30 feet over the fence. Really? See? The yeah. harder they throw, the farther it goes. That's First true. pitch, baboon, gone. <laughs> and Terry Lee's got the picture. I'll send it to you. Yes, I want to see that. That's awesome. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's well, like great it's advice. a Babe Ruth shot. Great. I mean, you, you're not even going to believe this photograph. Really? I, I, I told Terry Lee, that, that picture's hanging in every window in Cooperstown. It's just, it's the same pose as Babe Ruth. <laughs> but it's Jackson hitting a home run on a first pitch at the first game at Cooperstown. That's that's sweet. And and he got some pretty good advice from his dad, so that's pretty cool. Hey. Well, listen, buddy, I want to uh, thank you for taking way more time than I told you we were going to be. I, I apologize went so long, but we... Uh, my, you know, I you know, I always love our conversations, you know. Like you I said, miss them. We could talk forever. And I, we do. And we will. And we will again, buddy. I, met, I miss ch- chatting with you, but we're going to have to get you guys uh, back down here to, uh, or up here, I should say, to Niagara. All right. All right. Well, you know, I need to have a conversation with you, um, you know, Outside of the the radio show about um, about the uh, little record promotion and stuff, so you got it. We'll uh, we'll we'll hook up shortly, and uh, you uh, say hi to the family. Say hi to Terry Lee. I follow her and her love some in- images on Facebook and. And, and in all the great pics of your family, it's been great watching them all grow up. And those Christmas cards are the best that she sends. They're the best. <laughs> I still I got love them all. Beautiful family, buddy. Yeah. Yes. All right. All right, man. Thanks very much, ladies and gentlemen. The great John Cafferty. That was uh, that was a huge, huge thrill for me, uh, as you 
probably could tell throughout the, the out the interview. I tried to put away the fanboy, but it's kind of hard when you know one of the guys that you uh, you looked up to. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't want to say your whole life, but you know, since you were a teenager, uh, and you know, he's he was just the the nicest. Uh, guy when he came down and very gracious with his time and we had some we had some great talks over dinner and and you know he, like I said earlier it was it was always amazing to me that you know here's this guy that I looked up to legendary you know uh, in the music business and uh you know he's actually paying attention you know to what you're saying and one time we were at Antica having dinner and I was you know he says what are you up to and I, you know, I just you know I was coaching house league at the time and we had just won the championships I he was playing over the Bears Den the next night and I, you know I kind of told him that story in passing how you know I haven't played great we won this championship lo and behold the next night he stops in his show and he lets everybody at the Bears Den know that we're here we were at the show and that my son Evan and and me just won the championship, and you know how big hockey is in Canada. It's where we won the cup. Everybody clapped. It was really cool. And I'm like, well, it was just a house league championship, but you know, he made us feel like a million bucks. And that's you know, that, that's the kind of guy he is. He just he pays attention, and uh, you know, his. I didn't say it. I had it kind of written down. I just, just I wanted to bring it up to him, but it just his his music is just filled with so much passion and emotion. I think that's why it hooked me and got me. And you know. Songs like Tender Years and and uh, you know Small Town Girl and oh, they just just so many beautiful songs and then the up, upbeat ones that get you dancing. Anyways, I, I could go on and on, but I really appreciate you uh, being on, John, and hope everybody really enjoyed that one. I know I did. Maybe we'll have a part two. And you know when I when I talked to Durso and Grushecki and, and, and these guys and Tony Pellegrini and John, you could go on forever. And I got Willie next week, so it might happen again. So uh, thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for spending a little extra time. Uh, listening obviously the podcast uh if you're listening to the podcast i'll be getting that up tonight uh when i get a little bit of time although evan's got a late gig tonight so we'll see how that goes next week we got the great willie nile here uh but on a wednesday we won't be here tuesday at four o'clock we will be here wednesday at uh, four o'clock so uh so change your schedule i know you sit there you know, and you, you wait with bated breath uh, for me to be on 4680Q on Tuesdays at 4. But it'll be next Wednesday at 4 with the great Willie Nile. The week after that, the birthday boy himself turning 19. Yes, drinking age here in Canada. Uh, not in the States. So when we go down to Asbury, he still can't have that drink. But, you know, uh, he, he'll be uh, celebrating his 19th birthday right here on the air. We're going to talk about his new album. Uh, John's got a new album. We talked to Joe Durso a few weeks ago. He's got a new album called Thurman that's out. Joe Grishecki's got a new album coming out. Steven Stanley, all these guys that we found out. Everybody's got new music. So Evan's going to talk about his uh, his birthday, obviously, but uh, his new album and uh, what he's up to. He's a very, very, very busy kid. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Lupo's Little Italy, located in the Canadian Tire Plaza on Morrison Street here in Niagara Falls. John Franco and his team, they're great. Uh, one of the best veal sandwiches on the planet. So, uh, you know, if you're not into veal, there's a million other great things. My wife loves the eggplant parmentier and everything there is great. So check them out. Uh, you can also order online at www.lupostlittleitaly.com. Some some uh, business called Danima Creative Group did that for them. So you can check 
that out. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a great way, you know, these, these businesses, it's, times are tough. I know I'm having a trouble doing much sponsoring these days, you know, times are tough. So, uh, anybody that sponsors, uh, events or things like this, you know, go out and support them because they're supporting the community and letting people like me do what we do. So I, I really appreciate John Franco and don't forget, you can catch all of our shows on Spotify. Just search for just around the corner. Uh, we're also going to be on uh, Apple play or whatever the hell they call that. I'm just working on that right now. And and every show is on 4680q.com, uh, all of our podcasts, including mine. Uh, they're usually up, uh, you know, quickly after uh, the, uh, the live show. So uh, check for that at 4680q.com. Niagara's internet radio uh, owned by uh, our uh, rock and roll uh, native son, Mr. Rick Rose, uh, who uh, gives us all the opportunity to uh, do what we're doing. So thank you, Rick. Uh, we're going to end the show with some gold tequila shooting summer fun. I just love that line from this song. Uh, it's the new summertime hit from uh, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll see you guys next Wednesday. Appreciate you listening. Uh, you know, uh, be good to each other. And remember, we're just around the corner. This is John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band with their new song, The Summer Smash of 2023, Day in the Sun. <laughs>